welcome back, everyone, to another episode of NBA Weekly on the Yazcast. I'm Yaz. Joined, joining me today is Raji, and we apologize for taking a little week off, but, you know, we're back here ready to talk about the Sixers, the NBA. So I'm going to shoot it back to you, Raji. What's going down with the Sixers these past few weeks? All right, so it's been um... – I mean, I'm not going to go all the way back to from when the last podcast is. Uh, everyone's kind of tired of talking about Brooklyn and and all that. But um, let's talk about this past week or in these past seven days specifically, we've had five games. Um, so it's been a busy one. Uh, so we'll start out the Denver game. Uh, I know you were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that was a tough loss. Um, 114 to 110. Uh, I think there was good and bad and beat won the matchup with, with Joker. So that was incredible. Um, but our bench would, looked really, really bad. And uh, of course, Doc Rivers looked even worse. Um, then we played Cleveland uh, starters went crazy. Bench wasn't there to be found. Uh, we still came up with the win. Not, not too big of a win, but take anything you can get. Um, Dallas uh, was a good win as well. I think we held Luke at a five for 20 scoring. So um, that's a positive. And then some other things happen. We'll get into more detail in a second. Uh, the loss to Toronto, I think, was rough. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the big three showed up and Tobias just didn't. Uh, the bench was horrendous. And again, Doc Rivers was even worse. Um, and then we had the win against Miami, uh, the Tyrese Maxi game. We'll definitely, definitely get into that. Um, and we got to finally see uh, Shake and Furkan play mm-hmm. basketball. So we'll get into that first. Um, I want to ask you, um, do you see like so so Shake and Furkan both like to show up, you know, whenever the hell they want to. But do you see any way where we can kind of get more production out of them mm-hmm. or make this more consistent? Like, do you think it's a coaching thing or it's the roles that they're being put in? Like, why do we just see them come out here and ball sometimes? But then. Other times they're, you know, a negative 30 on the box score. I think with Furcon and Shake, it's definitely like a confidence type of thing. Um, you know, when you go into a Miami game, you got Embiid, you got Harden out. Um, there's low expectations for the performance of the whole team. So, you know, they don't have a chip on their shoulder, even if they're getting more playing time. They don't have a chip on their shoulder. They could just come out and play, you know, their style of basketball. So I think that's why they always show out in those type of games. Um we're going to need them, both of them. Uh, if, like you said, the bench in all of our losses in the past week have been horrendous, yeah. absolutely awful. Um, and it can't be like that. If we want to be a contender, if we want to win an NBA championship, we need our bench. And right now, we do not look like an NBA championship type team. Um, and it's just the way that – and that also has to do a lot with coaching. Um, I don't think Doc's rotations are correct at all. Um, I don't think that – you know, he's giving the certain players the enough playing time they need, or he's giving some players more playing time than they need, you know? So it's definitely, we need to definitely get Shake and Furcon back into the rotation and hopefully they could stay consistent. Um, once they fall off and become like a little inconsistent, get them out of the rotation. Um, I feel like this is like their final opportunity to be honest with you, just because we've given both of them so many opportunities to improve and get better and stay consistent as a bench and as a role player. And it just hasn't been that this year um i unfortunately out of those 
five games this past week was at the two losses at home to Denver and Toronto. So I think yeah, I'm the bad. Games. Yeah, I think I'm the bad luck in the Wells Fargo Center. And I just want to, I just want to state, you know, in that Toronto game, we scored 37 points in the first quarter, ended the game with 88 points. How is how does that happen? You know, it, it just I don't understand how our offense got so cold. Um, I'm getting a little annoyed with James Harden. Not gonna lie, uh, I. We brought him here to be his dominant self. And to be honest, he's kind of playing like Ben Simmons offensively. Uh, it's just, he's pat- look, he's finding everyone. His, his playmaking, his passing is outstanding. And it actually improves the whole team. But, man, we need him to start scoring more. I, I just, I want him to see him shoot more, shoot more threes. Um, you know, I... I, I still am confident in this team and confident in James Harden and Joel Embiid is the MVP. And I understand that he's taking prior the priority in the, sh- the shot taking, but Harden, you could, you could do, you could play your style of play. Don't hold back. Yeah, I agree. Um, first of all, I, I do want to give credit where it's due uh, to doc rivers. I think that um, the Miami game was coached very, very well. And that's kind of where I see, uh, you know, why, why uh, Milton and, and Korkmaz kind of played well is that like, I mean, Shake played 31 minutes, Korkmaz played 27, uh, Matisse only played 16 minutes. So credit to Doc for kind of um, finding that initiative, realizing like, okay, Matisse is great. He's going to give Jimmy Butler a lot of work, but with, you know, without Harden and Embiid, we will need that scoring firepower. Um, and he basically played three out in in Milton Korkmaz and and Maxi or actually four out because Niang was on the court most of the time so um just went to kind of like a small ball lineup played played very unconventional um and then gave Milton and Korkmaz kind of that responsibility that Mm um you know that that I guess they needed or that the push that they needed um I think that a big part of the issue here is that the we almost always have scoring and we bring in Cork, Maz, and Shake and say, oh, all right, don't let us lose this lead. Neither of them are defensive players, right? Um, so it's just not – I mean, I feel like I, I have more to say about, about Furkan than Shake because mm-hmm. Furkan just needs to be hitting shots. And he's – we know he's a confidence player. We know he's the type of player that does better when he gets more minutes. Um, and he's going to have to kind of, for lack of a better term, grow up and realize that when we are at full power, he's not going to be playing 20 minutes a game, right? Mm-hmm. He'll be lucky if he gets any minutes in the playoffs. Um, and we'll talk about playoff rotations as well. But um, the problem I, I see with Shake is that he needs to be the ball handler. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays best when he's out there playing point guard. Um, even even sometimes when he was out there on the court with Maxi, he was the one bringing the ball up and dribbling at the top of the uh, top of the arc. And I feel like that's where he plays best when he can kind of read the floor a little bit, make his own play, uh, make his own shot. Unfortunately, he's not a good enough shot creator to get any minutes. Um, so like you said, I mean, I, I don't really see either of them being here after this season. So I guess um, I'm just hoping we get what we can out of them because it looks like, you know, even if we go to a to a seven or eight man rotation, one of them will probably be involved mm-hmm. um, regardless. So yeah. You know, going back to that Denver game real quick, Raji, um, you know, it was, you know, all the eyes were on that game for around the league. You know, it's Embiid versus Jokic. You know, we all said the winner of that game will win MVP. 
even though the Sixers lost that game, Joel Embiid won that matchup between Jokic and Embiid. Don't get me wrong. Jokic played outstanding. His, some of the passes I saw even in live was unreal, you know, and I have a lot of respect for Jokic. I do have a lot of respect for him. Um, but I still believe Embiid's our MVP. He's the MVP of the league. And he came out and won against the matchup. And, uh, you know, and, if you Embiid, won- Embiid also has so much respect for, for Jokic, by the way. Uh, yeah. Like the 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 way that they talk about each other and the like, you know, Embiid's a real big shit talker and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And the amount of respect that they show each other on the court and off the court, um, you know, Embiid said uh, something about, um, you know, like I, I won't say I'm better than than Jokic or something or gave him a ton of praise. And then Joker literally called Embiid the best in the league. Mm-hmm. And it's like that was just beautiful to see. Um, I know there's like a big thing between like Philly and, and Denver fans. But for me personally, and for a lot of Philly fans, like we love Joker, bro. Yeah. He's you know, a phenomenal basketball player. You know, he, a uh, lot of respect for him. And even post game after that game, you know, he was asked like, you know, do you think you should win MVP or whatever, you know? And he was like, you know, Embiid and I both stated if a big man wins the MVP, that's all that matters. So, which I love to hear, um, you know, but in that Denver game, it was honestly I don't know if you saw that game. Highland, the rookie on Denver, yeah. just went off. It was like a homecoming game for him. He has like a whole backstory because um, he's from Delaware and stuff. But he, it was mostly Denver's bench uh, giving them that push to win. You know, I think Jokic came in into the fourth quarter with like four minutes left. So it was yeah. kind of Denver's bench making that run for them, which is also terrible coaching on the Sixers. Let me, um, let me give you a little bit of a statistic uh, from that game. So in that Denver game, um, Denver's entire starting lineup was a negative on the box score and every single player on their bench was at least plus 10 on the Mm -hmm. box score, at least like the lowest player on on their box score was Bryn Forbes and he was a plus 10. Uh, Meanwhile, on our side, our entire starting lineup was in the positives and everyone on our bench was negative, including Niang, who was a minus 19, shot two for 12 that game. So He was awful that game. Yeah, it really was just a tale of two lineups. And, mm. and it shows you, um, it, like in the NBA, as much as we want to talk about like superstar matchups mm-hmm. or this big three versus this big two or whatever, you know, however you want to frame it. At the end of the day, it's basketball. Yep. And in basketball, you're going to have 10 guys playing. And every single one of those guys matters, whether he's the 10th guy on the bench or your MVP. And, and they really like Denver really came out there and showed us that mm-hmm. um, we just got straight up out coached from, you know, just from that concept alone is that we really wanted to milk that and be Joker matchup and all that kind of stuff. And they wanted to show us like, Oh, listen, we're deep. We'll bring in our bench and have you and have you sit and beat down. Cause obviously mm-hmm. doc rivers doesn't know when to put him beat back in the game. And, and we're going to, you know, just beat you with, with some eight, 19 year old who's, who's just hitting threes wide open all game. It's yeah, no. And, and like, like you said, you know, it was clearly the bench play uh, won Denver that game and lost the Philly that game. Um, and then moving forward to the Miami game, I want to talk about Tyrese Maxi Raji. I, I think this is my favorite sixer right now. I, you know, I love Embiid, I love Harden, I love our whole team. But Tyrese Maxey is my favorite sixer right now. He, this man, how can you not love this man? How can you not? He, he, first of all, but take away his, his, his play. 
the, he's always upbeat, smiling, happy. Like, I love this guy's attitude. You never, like, feel like he's an asshole. Like, no, he's just, to be honest, he's just a kid playing in the NBA. He's literally, Tyrese Maxey and I are the same age. It's literally just a kid playing in the NBA, enjoying his time and just being humble and grateful, which I love about him. I love that. I love that so much. He's not one of those cocky assholes that comes into the NBA. Oh, they're they got so much potential, blah, 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 you know, and they, they get to, they get the whole NBA stuck in their head. Um, you know, but with Maxi, it's not the case. He, it's crazy how much he's improved since last year, literally every aspect of his game last year that he struggled in, he improved on 10 times this year. His three point shooting is outstanding right now. His playmaking, his defense, that game ceiling block. I, I just can't get enough of Tyrese Maxi. He's the, he's the star of the show right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the craziest part to me is that when you look at him during any like dead ball or timeout or something, he's like smiling, laughing, Mm -hmm. you know, loose as hell. Like you would think this guy's not even taking the game seriously. And then once that whistle blows, like even in, in crunch time, like the clutch shots that he was pulling off were absolutely ridiculous down the stretch that that step uh I guess it's not a step back you kind of step to the side a little bit that three that he hit over Tyler Hero and then going back and getting the block and then hitting a three from like six or seven feet behind the line to to seal the game like he he's absolutely unreal for for where he is in his career um I mean yeah I, I we can't say enough good things about this kid and and now I'm kind of starting to buy the idea of that big three that like mm-hmm. a couple podcasts ago, I was talking about, you know, it is a big two Tyrese Max. He's good, but he's not that good. No, this kid is, this kid is the truth. This kid is mm-hmm. the truth. And, and um, you know, I already like him cause he's a Kentucky boy. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a big fan since we drafted him. Um, I think he's going to be huge for us, uh, especially in the playoffs. Um, but I think that he does bring an issue in for us in that, um, I think that he might be a big part of the reason why Harden isn't getting too comfortable being a scorer. And um, I think that right now is maybe our biggest issue because when it comes down to it, I mean, in the playoffs, we're going to play a real short rotation, hopefully, mm-hmm. even though Doc, even last year was playing like 10, 11 guys. But unbelievable. If, if we play a short rotation, uh, we're going to need that production from everyone in the rotation. And hard and going cold and shooting five for 20 is just not, not what we want. And, and I think that for me personally, I think it's definitely a comfort thing. And I think it's something that he might grow out of, but I also think it's a rhythm thing. So Harden, Harden kind of has been in this mindset since he came to the Sixers in that I'm going to be a facilitator first. And then when I need to, I'll take over and score. And he did that the first like four or five games with the Sixers, maybe even six, seven games. um, He was facilitating. And then when we needed him to down the stretch, third and fourth quarter, um, he was giving us, you know, 20 points in the second half. Um, But the issue is what happens when you're a facilitator and then it's time for you to take over and you're missing your shots. Mm -hmm. Then it's an issue. And, And what's happening there is that he's missing his first few shots in the first half. And then when it comes time for him to take over, he's just simply not even trying to take over because he realizes that his shot is off. Um, and, and it's like, it's kind of just, 
kind of just like a real toxic balance that's going on there where, where we're trying to do something and it's just simply not working out. Um, and I, I mean, think, I think Maxie might be a part of that, but I think it all comes down to just docking James Harden mm-hmm. and telling him like, listen, go out there and just score. I don't want you to take over in the fourth quarter. Let him be, do that. I want you to give me 25 in the first half and then be a facilitator in the second half. Um, and I'm fine with that. I, w- I would be completely fine with him not being our closer, considering we still haven't beaten Maxie to close the game. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, people have to realize that, you know, Harden and this lineup have has I don't even think have played 10 games together yet. So the chemistry and the, the play style and, you know, the play uh, calling, it's all still, you know, building up. Right. You know, they're all learning from each other. Uh, you know, even when I said, you know, when we the day we drafted James Harden, I said that, OK, it's going to we got it. We, we need some time to build that chemistry. Um, we're going to have some bad losses here and there, um, you know, but as long as we are ready by playoff time. So we still got a little, I think, a month, maybe a little less than a month until the playoffs start. So, you know, I think that, you know, we're still there's it's it's a learning curve right now. Uh, we like I said, we just have to build that chemistry with Harden, Maxi, and B, the whole lineup. Um, Doc has to improve. You know, we could talk about Doc all day. But m- in my opinion, the true problem right now in Philadelphia with the Sixers, and if you want to pick one specific thing, it's Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is the problem with the Sixers. He is. And if I, man, I, I can't, I can't defend this man anymore. I can't. I try you don't so hard. I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. I Go try ahead. so hard. I try so hard to, you know, be like, okay, no, Tobias, it's just, it's a little slump. No, no, he'll, he'll build up on it. Oh, it's just hard. No. Tobias stinks right now. He absolutely stinks. Offensively, he's nowhere to be seen. He had five points against Toronto. Five points. How's the third best player on your team? He's not even the third best player anymore. How's the third best player on your team only score five points? He shot 0 for 4 from the three-point range. He playing out was awful, awful, awful. And still, you know, he's not giving us the numbers that the third option on a team should be giving you. 14 points, 14, 10, okay, yeah, 19 against Cleveland, you know, but I want to see more offensively from Tobias Harris. Defensively, it's he's I think he's a little above average right now. He's playing some good defense. I'll give him that. But, you know, we brought him in to be that third option, that third scoring option, and right now I am not seeing that from Tobias Harris, and it's so hard to watch. I can't. I can't. I can't watch him anymore. It bothers me. At some points you can even be like, Man, should we put George Niang in instead of him? But, you know, Niang is not a consistent enough player to even consider that. But, you know, it's it's honestly not a crazy thing to say. Um, I mean, I think it's crazy. I, I think that kind of kind of looking at just, first of all, any NBA team, right? You're not going to get a team that's four players deep, all scoring 20 plus on, on good averages. That's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, the, the top, you know, you might have a 30 point score, a couple 20 point players here and there. Uh, you'll have players come up and give you 20, 25, 30, whenever, but you're, you know, it's, it's crazy to consider a team where, you know, you're getting 80 points from four players every night. Um, so if anyone's scoring was going to go down, we thought it would be Maxi, but it turns out Maxi and Joel, uh, Maxi and uh, Harden mesh very well. 
And so Tobias has taken the scoring hit. And as an off-ball player, I mean, there's there's not much he can really do. He's not bringing the ball up, especially not when we have Harden and Maxi. So, but, you know, I see I see a lot of times when when Tobias isn't getting the ball when he should be. Uh, for example, that last possession against uh, which game was that when when Harden kind of just flopped at the end and took a really was that Toronto? Yeah, yeah, took a really bad layup. Um, and Tobias was like wide open in the corner for a three pointer. So, I mean, like I've I've been saying this forever, um, like since we got James Harden, I said, all I really need from Tobias is good uh, shooting percentages, being efficient and good defense. Uh, outside of the Toronto game, I think it's around against Toronto. He had a really bad game. But outside of that game, he's shooting in the past 10 games. He's shooting 48 percent from the field, 38 percent from three past five. He's shooting 50 and 40. So like that's that's the peak of efficiency. 50 percent from the field, 40 percent from three. Uh, he's consistently above the league average and as a three point shooter. Um, I know it's tough sometimes because he misses someone. He's wide open, whatever. But when you take all of it, he's better than average at from three and he's not even a three point, like he's not a catch and shoot player historically. Right. So um, I think he's adapting. Well, I, I obviously, I don't think he's playing phenomenally or anything like that. It would be nice to get 20 points out of him, but I a hundred percent think it's a stretch to say that he, he's the problem with this team. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, like, what do you think about that? Like, do you, what, what do you, here's a question. What do you want to see from Tobias? Like, like realistically, obviously we'd all want to see him do go crazy or whatever, but like, what is he not doing that you just want to see him do? He's not consistent. He's not he's consistent at all. That has nothing to do with it. Yeah. But what do you mean? he shoots four shots a game, of course he's going to shoot 50%. You know? So my thing is he's not Okay. Against Toronto, he shot two for nine, 22%. So Toronto was a terrible game. Yeah, I already said I'm that. just saying he's not consistent. He'll go five points and then he'll score 19 points and then he'll go back to 10 points. He's not consistent with his offensive game. He's not yeah, at but it's all. Not he's, like the- he's not even an option where he could be like, oh, I, how do you, I can't believe the amount of times I saw Harden find him on an open shot and it's just a brick by Tobias. The amount of times I've seen that is just, it, it drives me nuts. He's, not many times. There's not many times because he literally, so like it, it it, like this is what I don't understand. He's the scoring isn't really how you measure if someone's playing well. It matters how much he scores based on how many shots he takes. So if he's not getting the ball and he's not able to put up shots, how the f is he going to score the ball? How like how does that happen? All I know is when he gets the ball and he's shooting, he's making at least half of them, and that's all we can ask. That's a good basketball player. We need more shots from him. I feel like the amount of times that okay, I could give. Uh, you know, the blame on Doc Rivers as well, because sometimes I see like these plays drawn for Tobias and he's just, he just drives in and he's just lost. He gets a, a double team down low and then he passes out or he's a turnover. Um, you know, what about but, when he gets the ball and has a smaller defender on him and just absolutely bullies him and gets in. When is he doing that? When is he doing that? Like once like a game? Four times twice a, game. a game? Like once or twice a game? Okay, and who's, do that every let, tell me right now, who's crashing that every single game? Do that every who's single crashing, game. Who's crashing? What do you mean the crashing the boards? Dude, he averages seven boards a game. It's not like he's going and getting yes, that's great. A game. <laughs> that's incredible. Seven boards a game from your second rebound. He has like one great. offensive rebound, like uh, average. You know, so what's like he's not the one like being the big rebound. Yeah, he's our power forward. Of course, he should be getting a lot of rebounds. He's boxing out. He's boxing out every play. 
Every single play, I see him boxing out. He's putting an effort on defense. And when he gets shots, he's making them at an efficient rate. If you're just talking about points, what do you want him to do? What, what we're running pick and rolls you know, with Embiid and Harden. If the pick and roll falls off, then we're going to give it to Maxi. That's literally our, our play style. So obviously those three are going to score. There's no room in there for Tobias to get the ball. Yeah, so Tobias get rid of just him, has then. to find his way to get the ball. And when he does, he does the right thing with it. Yeah, I think he's gone. I think he's gone by the end of this year. Whether well, championship or not, I think he's gone. He's gone. We have to also talk about that uh, a little bit. So, so he will kind of have to be gone because at this point, um, we were just talking about Tyrese Maxey a lot. Um, we need to sign Maxey and give him 110%. Right. 110%. So, so that involves getting rid of Tobias. That might involve Harden taking a pay cut, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit later down the line, but um, I do you like, do you think it's, it's just a surefire thing that Tobias is going if obviously we can find a way to move him? Yes, I think so. Even win a championship or not, you know, even if he has a great playoff run or not, it's just, he doesn't fit um, money wise and, you know, team wise, especially, if, you know, we got to re-sign Harden. You know, we, people forget that like this off season, we have to give Harden a big contract. Obviously, Embiid has a big contract. Obviously, 110% should be keeping Maxi on whatever money he wants. Give him whatever he wants. Give him the city, the key to the city, if he wants part of his contract. Um, and Tobias, we're just not gonna be able to afford him. How do you, you know, he's coming off? I don't know if he's in his final year of his contract or he needs one more year. But you need to try and move him, or you know, trade him somewhere, or hopefully he can hit free agency somehow. Um, it just, you know, even I'm just, I'm saying, even if he has a great playoff performance even if we win a championship he doesn't fit financially and physically yeah um I think I agree I mean I love the guy obviously but um I just don't think I think with Maxi's contract coming up we have to get rid of I I think Maxi's contract comes up in two years so we have to get rid of Tobias by then and um and see where it goes uh, I want, kind of want to talk about real quick because we're we're definitely going over time here. But um, I think our biggest issue uh, with the team is Doc Rivers. Um, I think he coached a good game against Miami, but it was it was kind of a kind of brainless coaching in that it, they just attacked Tyler Hero over and over and over and over again, which, by the way, is a huge flaw for Miami. Um, and we'll talk about that when playoffs get closer, when, when we're really talking about how the playoffs shape up. But um, other than that, I mean, how many times do we get out coached? Like in the Nuggets game, uh, we get the ball toward the end of the game. Um, we end up, you know, saving our time out for literally no reason. No reason. Um, running up, making a bad play. Um, and then against, um, like, was it? Toronto where we had yeah it was Toronto um obviously shout out to Nick Nurse phenomenal coach but you draw up a pick and roll at the end with absolutely no backup plan Mm -hmm. um like it got to the point where Embiid didn't even come set the pick like the pick and roll fell out before the pick was even set and then we had Harden come up and try to draw a foul like why 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 are we doing this you know what I mean like we we had a a free guy on the three-point line um was this? Am I thinking about the right game? The Toronto game, right? Well, the yeah. final shot. Yeah, yeah. The layup. Yeah. Um, the yeah. the Denver game was the Niang shot. Um, yeah. Which Maxi was open for, and then in the Toronto game, uh, Tobias was open in the corner for for the last shot. But mm-hmm. like, 
just the fact that like you're drawing up a regular pick and roll because that's that's literally all I saw. I didn't see any any big movement. I didn't see any kind of backup. Like when when Embiid came out to set the pick, everyone was standing in the corners. You didn't have anyone cutting back door. You had no other plays. When the pick and roll fell apart, everyone stayed where they were. And it's like as, as a basketball coach, you cannot just draw a standard pick and roll with no other motions on the court and then just say, oh, if this pick and roll falls apart, do what you want. Mm-hmm. That's not the, like I, I don't get it. It's not I've seen regular inbound plays in the first quarter that were drawn up better than that, you know, final possession of the gameplay. Um, the rotations are not good. I, I understand and sympathize with the fact that like DeAndre Jordan is just not it. We don't really have a backup center, uh, whatever, but just, I, I'm, I mean, Doc's known for not having good rotations. The clock management down the stretch is not good. The timeout management is not good. Um, we like, I, I don't know. I just, I honestly don't know what's what the redeeming quality of Doc Rivers is right now. I know some people like him and see him as a great coach. Um, I see him as a coach that won with one of the greatest teams in NBA history and then never did anything again. Um, mm-hmm. The the biggest flop in the playoffs in NBA history, uh, most blown leads, uh, most blown series leads. Like it's it's just bad. It's ugly. And I honestly am just really sad about the fact that we're going to have to lose yeah. early in the playoffs again before we can actually realize that we're going to get rid of Doc Rivers. Yeah. And and it sucks to see another season wasted like that. You nailed it. I mean, I have this very similar thoughts to Doc Rivers. Um, and I kind of like, for me, I kind of started realizing it after our playoff loss to the Hawks. And it was like, I was immediately like, get rid of Doc. You know, after that horrible performance, I don't care if he was only one year, I would have gotten rid of him right then and there, the way he absolutely awful coaching in that series. I mean, you know, he played ben, 10 deep in game yeah, seven. You know, like it made no sense. Um, shout out to Omar Khatib, a uh, relative of ours. You know, he's been saying it since the day we hired Doc Rivers that this was an awful signing. Yeah. And I will give him credit for that. You know, he was been he's been telling me since the day we signed Doc Rivers to be our coach. He's like, This guy has won one fluke championship and has done nothing since. Um, you know, he's just the you know, I, I give him credit for that. Um, you know, but it's uh it's it's we still got a lot to go you know i don't want to i don't want to give up right now even before we get to the playoffs obviously let's see how we do in the playoffs and you know obviously for a second round exit with this team doc is gone we have to we have to make it at least to the eastern conference finals um or doc is gone um you know moving on uh is lose like you know we've been losing a few games here and there uh, is losing beneficial so we can avoid Brooklyn? Like, what do you think about that? I mean, right now, Brooklyn is, I want to say, the eighth seed. It looks like they're going to be playing in that play-in tournament. Um, so, you know, whether or not they get that seventh or eighth seed, you know, they play the one or two seed. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Should we, like, try to avoid playing Brooklyn or, you know, keep the th- the three seed? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think why not? You know, I, mm-hmm. I feel like... I feel like in the if we stay in the three seed, I mean, we would we would be giving up um, home field advantage to probably Miami and and Milwaukee, um, maybe Boston because Boston's been on fire recently. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so I think 
Yeah, I, I honestly don't think it's a bad idea. Like uh, Brooklyn's looking like they're going to be in the eighth seed and they'll probably, um, what is it? So the eighth seed can't move up to seventh, right? Yes, they can. Oh, they can. Um, okay. It's seventh and eighth play for the seventh seed. And then the loser of that game plays the winner of the nine ten game nine, for ten. the eighth seed. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if we stay at the three seed, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. Um, I, I don't, but Milwaukee is always a tough team, whether or not you give them home court advantage. Um, and I'm not too worried about Miami, to be honest with you. Now, giving up home court advantage against Boston might be a problem because we have to go into TD Garden and play. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think losing right now is, is the worst thing for us. And, and there's not really much to be said about it, but. Bro, bring on Brooklyn first round. I don't care, dude. We're gonna have to play them first, second, third, whatever. You know, it's I you come playoff time. We should be confident in our team and the Sixers to play whoever. If we think that we can win a championship, then give us whoever the hell you want us to play. Because that's the confidence that we have to go into the playoff. Right now, I look at it and I'm like, ah, maybe not. But I'm hoping by the time we get into the playoffs, we're super confident. Give us whoever the hell wants to play us and let's play ball. That's all I want to say. Fair enough. I Yeah. Like I said, not much to be said about that. All right. So uh, just to wrap up the Sixers segment, um, next week or tonight we have the Lakers um, and then we have Clippers, Suns, and Bucks. So we start out with the two LA teams and then it gets really serious for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Suns will be our third road game in a row. Um, and that'll be on Sunday. Uh, what do you, what are you seeing about this? I mean, what do you think about the Suns in general? Uh, the Suns, I mean, outstanding team. Uh, Monty Williams is a phenomenal coach. It's sad to think that he used to be an assistant coach with us and we could have had him as a head coach, but, um, you know, phenomenal coach, you know, what he's done in Phoenix. Um, but you got to remember they're without Chris Paul. And since the all-star break, the record has been average, um, without Chris Paul, you know, it's just people forget how amazing Chris Paul is, you know, the way that he, that team plays well around him. Um, it's not like they're a bad team without Chris Paul, obviously not. Um, I think the Lakers, honestly, is an easy win. Uh, even though LeBron has been hot and Westbrook is kind of getting some sort of a groove. Um, to be honest, yeah, you know, to be honest, out of these games, I feel like we're going to have like a stupid loss to the Clippers. I just, I, I feel it. I feel it like happening. I feel like we'll have such a great win against the Lakers. Confidence is high and then we'll go in and lose to the Clippers. That's just Sixers basketball. I feel like that would, that would happen to us. Um, I'm confident against the Suns. Like I said, CB3 is out. And I think that Joel Embiid destroys DeAndre in, in every matchup that they verse each other. Um, Does he though? Aiden plays kind of well against Joel. Uh, Aiden doesn't scare me. I don't know. It's I think like offensively, like Joel is going to eat. Um, you know, it's it's just all stopping Booker at that point. Um, I think Jay Crowder is like questionable right now. I don't even think he's playing. So it's just it's basically Booker and Aiden. Um although that bench is deep in Phoenix. But like I said, out of those games, I'm confident that we can beat the Lakers and Suns and just lose a stupid game to the Clippers. Um, and the Bucks game, I don't know. It's I feel like let's see how we do in this road trip, and then I'll, I'll assess the Bucks game. Yeah, I, um, I personally think we lose to the Suns. I think they're just too deep. Um, they, have, they have McGee and Biombo, 
uh, to back up Aiton. So Embiid really won't get a break. He doesn't really have a, um, you know, a situation where he can just foul out the starting center and then just kind of eat against the backups. Um, they have, they have a bunch of big men. They're an extremely deep team. Um, and then their starting lineup one through five can kill you. I mean, Alfred Payton, Devin Booker, Miles Bridges, Jay Crowder, mm-hmm. and, and Aiton are Mikel Bridges, but yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. is Bridges playing? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't he play said. against Sacramento, but anyway, yeah. I mean, Mikel Bridges is there. Um, they have Landry Shamit coming off the bench. They have Aaron Holiday coming off the bench. They have Deep Campaign bench. coming off the bench. Yeah. So, like, it's I, th- I think personally the Suns are the best team in the league, and I don't know mm-hmm. if it's even close right now, That's um, except, like, maybe maybe the healthy Warriors. But, yeah, I think, I think that's going to be a tough one. Um, I think we can get the Lakers and Clippers. Uh, Russell Westbrook's playing great. Since uh, since that little heckle thing that the video that came out where people were calling him Westbrook, I think he's been averaging like 22, eight and seven or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of starting to see the Westbrook that we're used to seeing um, LeBron. We're going to talk about in a second. I, I don't even not even going to preface that. Yeah, uh, the Clippers are hot, but I don't think um, I mean, Ty Lue is a phenomenal coach right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of mad that we got Doc over him at this point. But um, I think. I think that the Clippers are a good team, but we can beat them and we just better beat the Bucs. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to see us get that win and kind of show people that we're for real. There's a lot of people sleeping on the Sixers right now. Um, and that's that. Um, that that should wrap up the little Sixers segment. Um, by the way, we are going long today. Uh, we knew <laughs> this because we haven't been here for two weeks. Exactly. So bear with us. Uh, let's go back to the Lakers. Um, I just want to talk about the GOAT. Um, LeBron is just playing like he's 24. Uh, I mean, a 38 point triple double he's put up, I think, what do you have a 60 point game, Mm -hmm. a 56 point game. Um, we're seeing, we're seeing like one of the greatest stretches of LeBron's entire career. And he is the same age that Michael Jordan was when he decided to go back to the wizards. So like, just let that sink in for a second. He's played 19 seasons. Um, and is 37 years old and is flying, floating over Kevin Love to mm-hmm. dunk the ball. Like it's honestly what we're seeing from this guy is just really, really unbelievable. Um, what are your thoughts on it? And and how yeah. long do you think he can like keep this up? You know, everyone that knows me and knows how much I love basketball knows that LeBron is my GOAT. Um, you know, I, I respect people's opinions and, you know, if they want to say Jordan's the GOAT, personally, me, I've grown up watching LeBron my whole life. That's my GOAT, in my opinion, the GOAT of basketball. Um, and honestly, it's just I love seeing it. I love seeing that he's still out here putting these numbers. It just it feels good, um, even if his team is shit this year, um, you know, and it's not part it's not really his not mostly his fault you know um and which is like kind of sucks is like i wish his team was doing a little bit better so he would get more recognition for what he's doing at his age um you know at the what he had a 38 point triple double against cleveland you know that's insane you know for you know what he's doing um I can't say enough for him. It's, it's, it's crazy to even say he could win the scoring title this year over Joel Embiid. Um, but he's the GOAT. You know, he's been the GOAT in both of our eyes. I think that's one of the very few things that you and I agree on, um, <laughs> which is rare. Um, yeah. But, you know, we 
you know, he's outstanding. Um, moving on, we're going to head back to the East. This Boston Celtics are the hottest team since the All-Star break. I think they're 11-2 and two since the All-Star break. Um, they've moved up this the, the Eastern Conference. They could have a chance at that two seed, realistically. Um, you know, I think they are a legit contender in the NBA. I really do. I think that Tatum is I've as much as I hate the Celtics, I've always liked Jason Tatum. Dookie, I can't, you know, I can't I cannot like him. Um, he's an outstanding player, and I think Jalen Brown is just playing. I think it's also good coaching all around, but I want to hear what you think, Raji. Yeah, I mean they they look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they I, I don't see them as a contender. Um I think the, their biggest issue is they they really don't have a point guard, like a real point guard. Marcus Smart's not a facilitating guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, all their stars play the same way. So whether it's Tatum, Brown, or Smart, um, really just play almost the same exact style of basketball. Uh, they're, they're just not there. They don't have a big man presence. Uh, they don't have a guard. They, nobody can really facilitate that ball. And, and when it comes down to the playoffs and you're really playing half-court offense, uh, there's a reason why Boston doesn't play well. And that's because you're just having, you know, you're playing through wings who just ISO all the time. Yeah. Um, if we have, if we have Matisse on Jason Tatum, who's beating us? Yep. Right. Like there's, I, I, I just, I don't see them. I don't see them as a real serious contender simply because simply because like, the rest of the teams in the East can all easily beat them. And even if you look at, I mean, their past, what are they like 12 and three in their past 15, uh, they played the Warriors without Steph. Uh, they played the Nets twice, both without Kyrie or Ben Simmons. Um, they beat the Nuggets, but like, okay. Yeah. That, that, that was a good win. But other than that, I mean, you're talking like Thunder Kings, they lost to the Mavericks, um, Detroit, Charlotte, um, Atlanta, Detroit again. Uh, they lost to Indiana. I think their only real big win wins uh, in the past little while were Memphis and um, and Denver. So it's not you know it's not like they're they're powerhousing strong teams and stuff like that. They're on a roll. Credit to them. Props to them. But I, I don't see them as a championship team. Yeah, I mean, I just think that they're going to be a scary team to face in the playoffs for any team. I think that yeah. they're they're a type of team that could upset like a Brooklyn, to be honest with you, or a Milwaukee-type team. They have the opportunity to upset one of the best teams in the NBA. But, yeah, I, that's why I say they're more of a contender. Obviously, I don't think they'll win a championship, but that's why my reasoning of they are legit. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see, uh, we'll see like, moving forward a little bit. Like, they have, they have Utah, they have Miami, uh, they have Chicago and Milwaukee still coming up. So we'll see, like, how they play those. If they get into the third seed, that'll be very helpful for them um, because it is hard to go to Boston and play. And, you know, then we can kind of talk about maybe an upset. But I really I really don't see them taking a an actual well-built basketball team into a seven game series and beating them. Yeah. Personally, I think I think they're just the ISO team. And if they're streaky, Tatum's going to give you 50. And if he's not, he's going to go four for 35 and you're going to blow him out. So. I, I I personally tend to not like teams like that, mm-hmm. and that's that's what it is. Um, I want to give a shout out to Josh Thorpe's, uh, my boy. Uh, follow him on Twitch. He streams a lot of games. Yes, sir. Uh, Black Yeshua. Um, so 
he asked us uh, to talk about the Brooklyn um, kind of like vaccine protocols and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, like, I don't know. I, I honestly yeah. don't know what to think about it. Like Kyrie is Kyrie's allowed to be on the bench with no mask on. He's just not allowed to be in the locker room with no mask on. He's not allowed to play. Uh, he can buy tickets and sit front row without a mask on and talk to his teammates, whatever it is, you know, and it's mm-hmm. the, the rules seem very inconsistent, um, especially because other players who are unvaccinated can go in there and play. But, but I mean, what do you think about it? What, yeah, um, it's, uh, it's such a tough situation. Shout out Josh for the great question. Um, you know, with the thing with Kyrie and the, the whole vaccine, whatever, you know, I don't want to get too into it. Um, you know, I have my own thoughts towards the vaccine that are kind of opposite of Kyrie. But when it comes to the protocols in Brooklyn and in the stadium, it makes no sense. Um, how, like, why is he allowed to just sit there courtside without a mask, but he's not allowed to play? You know, it's just like, what's, what do you, like, what's the difference at that point? You know, it's, um, it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, at that point, if you're going to allow him to the stadium, just let him play. Um, I don't I just, know what. I don't know what the the mayor of New York is like trying to prove with it. Like it's like for me, it's like if okay, if he's still not allowed to enter the stadium, okay, that makes sense. But he's allowed to enter and physically sit courtside without a mask, so it doesn't make sense to me why he can't play. Yeah, I mean, I my whole issue with my whole thing with this issue is like it's New York state law or New York mm-hmm. City law. Um they're not going to change that law for any profession, right? Or for any sport or whatever it is. So that's the law. I mean, it's kind of, it kind of takes me back to uh, in the Olympics with the, uh, with the, the track athlete who, Mm -hmm. you know, smoked some weed and basically couldn't play because of it. Um, Yeah, sure. I mean, it sucks. And she was in a legal state and she should have been able to smoke weed and she shouldn't be punished for it, but she knew what the law was and she did it anyway. And that's, this is kind of where I'm at here is that like, I, I am really, really struggling to see Kyrie as a victim. And I don't know if that's because of my personal feelings toward Kyrie or if it's, you know, logical, but my whole thing is like, bro, you decided not to get this shot. And they, when they asked the mayor about it, that's literally what he said. He said, Kyrie can play tomorrow. Just go get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And that's literally all you have to do. So you want to take this stupid ass stand i'm sorry i know you didn't want to talk about your vaccine you know viewpoints or whatever Mm -hmm. but i'm fine with talking about it you want to take this stupid ass stand right and and go against literally every expert in the on the entire planet on this issue and you want to be an entire hero for this and and say all these like weird buzzwords and interviews about how you're a martyr because you're, you know, you're the one standing up against the vaccine and this and that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, if you want to take that stand, then you got to take this fall, right? Like that's, that's your trade-off there. You want to be this freaking martyr and, and stand up for yourself and open up your third eye and do whatever the hell you want and, and all this bullshit. And then all of a sudden when it starts to affect you and your job, now you're pissed off about it. I'm sorry. That's, that's the law. I, yeah. I don't like I, I, I think the law is stupid personally, but if that's the law that New York City decides is for itself and it's affecting you and it's literally fixable mm-hmm. in 10 minutes by you 
and you decide not to fix it and instead try to be a victim over it, I have no sympathy for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, Raji, I strongly agree with, you know, everything that you just said, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, he, he, he let his team down all year by not just taking 10 minutes to go get the vaccine and, you know, eh, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm just speaking on more of the law itself that is in the protocol itself that's in Brooklyn right now, like in terms of, okay, if he's allowed, it just doesn't make sense how he's allowed in the stadium, but not allowed to play. Like just either do either, or, you know, don't let him in or just let him play. Um, you know, that's where my, where I'm speaking from, you know, that's what I'm trying to like, the protocols in Brooklyn just make no sense right now. Well, it's, it's an employment thing, right? So if you, if your job involves like if, if, the NBA involves having to wear uh, or having to be vaccinated to play. Right. And, and employment in, in New York is like that. You need to be vaccinated to be working in certain jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. If it's one of those jobs where you need to be vaccinated in order to do your job, I completely understand that why visiting teams don't have to be right. Because otherwise New York would basically have to shut down all of its entertainment because nobody could come into their stadiums and perform and things like that, unless they're vaccinated. So like, I understand why visitors can do it. And I understand the vaccine mandate. I, I don't personally support it, but I understand where they're coming from. And, and it just happens to be that the law, the way it was structured, doesn't allow him to do it. And, and obviously the mayor or any politician in the world is not going to go back on their word or change a law because of one single basketball player yeah. trying to make some bullshit stand against a vaccine that freaking 80 percent of the country is taken at this point like just get over yourself go get the vaccine play basketball otherwise you're not a victim you're doing it to yourself i don't care yeah you know i mean uh you know thank you kyrie irving for not getting vaccinated because now we have james harden (laughs) that's the only reason why i would ever thank him for not taking the vaccine. Um, Which, by the way, if I could extend this, I, we're, we're getting ready yeah. to wrap up, but if I could extend this just 30 seconds. Um, mm-hmm. How did, so I, I don't know if you guys have seen it in the news, but Ben Simmons has a herniated disc, <laughs> most likely out for the season. And a herniated disc is something that sticks with you almost your whole life. So, yeah. so this is going to affect his whole career. He'll never be the same again, most likely. Um, how did Brooklyn's medical team not see that? <laughs> Makes no sense to me. I mean, I'm, so, I'm thankful that, he passed his physical, you know, because we would have been screwed. That's that's um, that's what I'm struggling to understand is like you you see a herniated disc when you do a physical, yeah. right? I mean, this guy, like, how how is he going to hide that? And like, why did it take him forever to realize that? Yeah, it makes no sense to me. Um, but you know, I don't care. I really no sympathy whatsoever. Yeah, um, I don't have any sympathy for him either. You know, so he could rot on Brooklyn's bench for all I care of and we'll enjoy having James Harden. Um, But I want to thank everyone for listening to this long episode, but I mean, always a great time talking about the NBA, something that I love talking about. So I think I could go for 24 hours with you, Raji, and talk about the NBA if need be. Um, But thanks everyone for watching. Um, We'll be back next week. Don't worry. We won't take another two week hiatus on you. Um, And we'll talk to you guys soon.